are listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here, on my right, we've got Bobby Osinski. Good evening, guys. Good evening, Mike. How you doing, Bobby? Next to him, we've got Scott Gershon. Hi, Mike. Is this good? Is this good proximity to the mic? That is. You like that? That's really good. Hi, Mike. (laughs) Across from him, we've got Nick Peck. Nick. Hello, Mike. Hello, gentlemen. Happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year to you, too. It's way too late to have that much energy, you know? (laughs) And uh, joining us via Skype all the way from Austin, Texas. The one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Rob Arbiter. What? What? Hello, everyone. And yes, I am in Austin. Believe it or not, I don't live here. <laughs> but I am in Austin again. But I'm excited to be flying back to L.A. tomorrow. You sure this is not just an AI of his face? You know what? With pre-programmed, you know, responses. He's, he's probably in Encino somewhere. I know, you know. <laughs> no, I'm in the next room, actually. I'm right there with you. He's over at Sundance, you know? That's right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, joining us today, we are honored to have with us Mr. Ken Kane. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be back. Ken Kane. Ken is coming back. Um, Ken is the original Jeremy. Welcome back. The OG. And and it was Ken, then Jeremy, and now it's Colin. And they've all assisted and engineered the uh, podcast. That's when we were downstairs. And uh, yeah, it was that was a long time ago. That was in our our old little digs. But Ken is with us because he's has moved awesome. up and on to some pretty awesome stuff. And yes. we're going to visit with him a little bit. But uh, it'll be really interesting uh, when he tells us what he's up to. But before we get going, um, first of all, this is our first show of the new year, so uh, that's awesome. Twenty fourteen, man, that's like future, right? I mean, that's like. 2014 that's like the future is now i know it's crazy oh man and even more so even before we talk about that i just want to say um we were robbed we were robbed because the uh, academy award nominations came out and uh Pacific Rim did not make it in there for uh, sound effects or the mipsies but i'm not you know, tracking uh, that. You know, you know what? That's that's crazy. Look, look. Gravity was a great film, all right? The sound mixing was really good. The sound effects editing was what it should be, right? It's It wasn't awesome, but it, it didn't suck. I mean, at that level, you should be at that level. And I just think as far as sound effects editing, you know, every once in a while you see these films that go on these rolls, right? And it's like because the this is good, then all of a sudden this is good and this is good and this is good. And it's like I wish people could just be a little bit more educated and pick and choose. And granted, I'm highly biased and I admit. <laughs> but come on. That was some great sound editing that you did there. So Thank you. Scott, in my mind, I, I would have nominated you. God, thank you. <laughs> Uh, so uh, so moving moving on from that, um, <clears throat> there's a couple things that I want to talk about. On the back half, this is the NAM show, guys. So we're going to talk all about NAM. This is probably one of my favorite shows, either the pre-show or the post-show. And yes, we're going to post this before NAM, believe it or not. Wow. So it'll be probably our quickest yeah. turnaround <clears throat> wow. ever. So no need to wish anybody happy Valentine's Day. 
Okay, Rob? <laughs> okay, I'll hold back the jump. Because we are going to post this before NAM. Merry Christmas. But, um, so on the back half, we're going to talk about NAM. But right now, one thing I want to talk about is something that's going to affect everybody here and everybody who's listening to this and actually could affect our podcast too. And that's n- net neutrality <laughs> and the fact that we just lost Rob. You lost me, and now I think I'm back. Oh, there you are. <laughs> um, that's see, and it's going to affect Skype too. But it's um, net neutrality, and and Bobby, I wanted to talk to you, um, being as you're kind of our expert. Can you explain a little bit about net neutrality and what just happened with the strike down and everything? It's a fairly complicated subject, but to make it simple, what it basically means is all files and all companies that serve up files are equal and can't be discriminated against. So in other words, a, in, in the eyes of the law in net neutrality until recently, um, a single Microsoft Word file was the same as a big, long movie file or audio file. What changed the other day was Verizon had um, actually... Um, had a lawsuit that that said we don't think this this is right because we have customers out there that are consuming great deals of bandwidth and we can't charge them any more than people that are char- that are consuming just a little bit of bandwidth and they won so it won't happen immediately but what will happen eventually if this goes on and there's not an appeal another appeal on it will be that now Verizon and Time Warner and any ISP can basically say, um, okay, we would like to get paid more. If you're going to download movies, if you're going to download audio, then we're going to charge you more. You, the consumer. Now, it could also work the other way. They can go to Netflix or they can go to iTunes or they can go to any, any um, service that's serving up big files and say, you know – we want to get paid more for the privilege. And if that happens, what they'll just do is raise all the prices right. and, and the consumer will pay one way or the other. But here's where it actually gets serious if that happens. There's going to be, and we'll just talk about audio for a second. All the streaming companies that you have out there, all of them, none of them are making money. And they're all hoping for the days when there's going to be more and more and more consumers. Right. And at that point, it's an economies of scale thing, and then they can make a lot of money. And, and, and then there's, their very small profit margins will actually be worth something. But if this happens, you're going to start – if all of a sudden there's an extra charge on top, you're going to see those companies start to fall like flies. And you know who's going to be left? Google with their YouTube and Apple with iTunes. Yeah. Because they don't care. They don't rely on this for their income. Right. So it's a, it's a loss leader for them. That's the, the, pro, the possible problem. Yeah. I mean it's so insane when, when you start reading about it. It basically – as a consumer, I'm, I'm paying to download whatever <clears throat> I download. I, I, that's why I, I never understood that argument that they're saying because it's like – But you're not. We, you're not, you're not paying for the bandwidth. You're not paying the ISP for the bandwidth. You're I, paying the the, end, the the service. Well, I'm paying the ISP because I'm I have a data cap on. I just had to up my data cap, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's at expensive, home, right? And and I just uh, actually I pulled a fast one. 
I, I called them up and I, I knew AT&T was coming into our area. And so I said, look, um, I'm going to either switch to AT&T unless you can do something about my bill. And I ended up talking them down. So I lowered my bill, but then I also got faster internet. But having said that, if I didn't get faster internet, I would have even been able to lower it even more. But the, the fact of the matter is, is I'm paying this company money to download. Why should they dictate you know what? But, but it's I already happening. Like, I know, but that's but, but that's what I don't understand because the Verizon's saying you know we can't charge more, but you're charging the consumer to. Well, when I went to, to them and I said, listen, I need something faster. What's your next? You know what? What's your next um, uh, speed that I could that I can buy into? So I'm thinking, oh, you know, I said, honey, you know, maybe you could spend Thursday home because I got to come out and do something because I'm figuring they're, they're doing something to give to make my household faster. So we spoke to the woman. She was like, oh, yeah, we can give you this deal, blah, 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 cost you X amount. I said, great, let's do that. Okay, it's done. Yeah. And they basically just did an on switch and already had it. So what they've been doing is putting a governor on my house and opening that that governor up yeah. to allow me the more speed. speed. Yeah. But, but here's the end game. Here's what they want. It's just ridiculous. No, wait. Go ahead. Here, here's really what they want. And, and it makes some sense. I, I hate to say it. When you buy electricity, you only pay for what you use. Right. When you buy gas for your house, if you have natural gas, you only pay for what you use. That's what they want. They basically want you to pay for it the amount that you use. Rather than saying, okay, use whatever you want. Okay, you, you just paid enough, your, your monthly bill, but it's all you can eat. They want it regulated. Well, you know what? I would rather have it regulated than, than for them to be able to, to slow down and speed up different types of data that's coming to me because ultimately that's what we're talking about. Because if you don't pay – if Netflix doesn't pay whatever price Verizon wants, then what can Verizon do? But Verizon it, says, okay, well, then in that case, Netflix, your data is going to be a lower priority and other things will get through. So less of a but I think the way, playback, choppy playback. Yeah. I mean – I think right now we're on a precipice that they see and some of us may not see. First of all, entertainment, it's always been cable, direct TV, something of that ilk. Well, with Amazon and Netflix and, and the whole studio model – is breaking apart in TV and in film, where it used to be, you know, three networks owned everything, four networks if you want to exclude Fox. Studios were half a dozen, and it's all falling apart. What's going to happen now is being able to distribute product is not only for those people that had control of the airwaves or control of the cable. Now they have control of the internet. But the TV people want to sell more TVs. The 3D TV thing didn't go that well. So what are they now introducing? 4K TVs. Now all of a sudden, you're getting ultra high definition uh, a picture. Well, the problem is that doesn't go hand in hand. The Blu-rays are going away. The discs are going away. So now they need really large pipes to start coming down. Is it going well, to be Although cable? there's a new codec for 4K that's supposed to be very good that, that apparently they're testing. It's supposed right. to be really good. So, so out so through the internet. So in other words, you know, you've got a house, you've got four TVs, you've got four people in the house, and they're all watching something different. Plus you're also recording 
three or four other shows at the same time. Well, yeah. we're completely – I mean we're completely addicted to to data download. I mean that's just the way that it is now. Everything in technology has innovated to be able to move forward. I no longer have – I no longer have, uh, you know, cable at home. I no longer have a landline at home. I don't have any analog signals coming into my house. Everything right. um, is just one single internet pipe that's coming in and it feeds my Roku box and it right. feeds – you know, internet, it feeds, you know, every connection to everything. And so the result of this, it almost feels like they let this go for enough years for people to get completely addicted totally. to needing that much data coming right. down all the right. time. They didn't uh, let it go. It was regulated. There's a net neutrality law. And, and see, but that's the, that what's crazy is that's like going to the grocery store and you're going to buy groceries, but then having the store tell you, you know what you have to buy, and and what the having the grocery store price the items as opposed to the manufacturer. You know. Yeah, but no, price. but that's the, not the way it works. The grocery store does price the item. Right. Well, that's true too. But <laughs> but but they have. Well, what I don't know. It just does not seem. I'm paying for. Well, like Direct TV. Direct TV. You buy a package. You can't okay. buy them individually, which most people love. Or or well, cable. All right. Okay. Yeah. How, how about this? Here's another one. Let me give you a better one. How about? cell phone company and if they you know if i call government offices it's going to be cheaper than if i call you know something else you know i but i don't know anymore just, but now I it's one price gets you everything i know you can, but that's probably still be one price they'll probably all, have an unlimited plan just like a phone or something i mean you'll just have to pay no but that's the thing they're not, but, that's like but, they're, but see here's here's what look as a consumer is it going to affect us right away no it's not but what's going to happen <clears> is if they start going to the to the Netflix into the Hulus into the Spotify's into the Pandora's and if they if they start asking them for money, then it's going to change the a lot of the first sure. one that's going to go is Pandora. They're going to drop in a second. Yeah, and and I think that's a shame. Spotify you know? will hang in, but Spotify is on the edge as well. Which. You know, and after I was so pumped too after that last podcast we did about all, and you were telling us about streaming and how great it was going to be. Now, Beats Music just came out today. I know, and yeah. and that might be interesting, and and they have a chance because right off the bat they're charging nine ninety five a month. There's no, it's nothing's free. There's no trial. You buy in or or nothing, right. and they got deep pockets. So there, there's there's a chance with them. Uh, also, you very know, high quality. They're the highest quality of any streaming network because they're built on Mog. They bought Mog, and Mog w- was, you know, hands down the best of all. Yeah, Mog yeah. had a lot of good. It was very had a small following. It wasn't huge, but it was. They were diehards, and that was sounded really great. Yeah. So it was good. You, you know, it's interesting when you look at studies. In our generation, everybody wanted to have a car because that showed freedom, and that was kind of the the coming of age. Now they've actually shown it. Where the people, the 16-year-olds, the 15-year-olds, they'd rather have better connection and a mm. car is secondary, right. if not even tertiary, than it is. It's not that big of a deal. Just give me any car. Yeah. I'm fine. Meanwhile, the freedom for them is being connected. No, that's true. And that's, that's absolutely right. You know what, Rob? Can you weigh in on this? Because uh, on your internet venture here, th- this could possibly affect you too. How, how, what do you know about this? Um, I'm not sure exactly how it would affect us. I, I, I'm afraid to say I'm new to this, uh, to the net neutrality thing. I mean, I've been watching it from a distance for a while, but I, I haven't 
because the amount of data that we're actually juggling is not that much, I'm not sure that it affects us. Uh, I mean, you know what we're doing. If you can explain to me how you think it might impact us, I would definitely be curious because it will become my problem pretty soon <laughs> if it's going to affect us. But we are, it's, it's, it's basically going to affect you more when you're handling more data, right? Well, I mean, that, it's going to you know, prioritize your data. But you know, people are going to pay to be to be more important than other people. Well, so but, for you, hold on one second, yeah, I'll sure, get to you. Sure, sure. For you, Rob, what'll end up happening is let's say your site gets really, really um, successful. There's a lot of people. You're running all these real time games at the same time. That's you know, that's imperative that you stay real time to all the shoppers out there. Now, if people start slowing you down and if your data starts getting, um, you know, held back here, but, you know, other places it's okay, you know, then... Well, your pipe has to get bigger. As, yeah. as it gets bigger, they're going to charge you more for it. That's that's the thing. It's yeah. like, you know, if they start prioritizing your data unequally, then it can really kind of screw things up. Yeah, I mean... Uh it's something I'm going to have to look into more. I've never thought about it and, as and, far as we're concerned. And, you know, we were just talking in post. And, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you I'm not alone in that. I'm sure uh, true. Of course not. there are a lot of companies that don't realize what kind of an impact it could have on them. And we need to figure that out. Exactly. That's the, that's my big thing about, about even bringing this up is, is just informing as many people. And, and basically, you know, I mean, I think all data should be equal. I think we should, the net neutrality should be, Enforced, which should not be overturned. And okay. I think well, I was going to say that one of the things I think is going to get hit is is your job and my job, and the fact that post production and production, we are pumping massive amounts of massive amounts of picture and audio over whether it's facility to facility, from studio to facility. There is so much. I mean, we're in hundreds and hundreds of gigs. Easily in the terabytes. Why? It's not only one show. You know, we'll have within a year 40 shows. All of a sudden, they're going back and forth. Right. All the dailies, all the data, all the CG. How much per day would you estimate? I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, so, it's so big. You're looking at one download of pictures anywhere from 9 to 32 gigs. So... And I'd say that in one day, you know, you got 10, 15 shows and everybody downloads that day. I mean, think of TV, you know, all of a sudden. Why? Because the client wants to see high definition. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, so now yeah. it's going up, it's going down. And, you know, in our new facility, we have four different buildings. And we're, yours in the, we're using those buildings to be able to shuttle information from building to building. Yeah, but is it on your own network or, or is it over... Um an ISP. It's a combination of both. Oh. Because a lot of times, you know, I guess, you know, are we tapping into the studio's networks? You know, a lot of asparagus stuff. It's a combination of both, I think. Well, and I will tell you that, you know, over where I work, not only does the data have to be good because no studio wants to wait for anything, right? I mean, they're so spoiled. They just want to be able to click it and download, right? But it has to be Uber secure. Yeah. I mean, security Uber. is such a huge part of, of. I mean, the service that we use to to share files, you know, had to be certified, and the MPAA had to get involved. I mean, it's just it's a big deal because you know when you're dealing with some of these things, and even then, a lot of the feature films that we get before they're released, they don't even come over 
you know, electronically. I mean, they literally bring a guard who will look <laughs> where the hard drive and wherever that hard drive goes, that guard follows. We them. should talk because I've just become aware of a company that actually does uh, the file management, the file security, uh, network security for like the FBI and yeah. whatever. And they're now doing entertainment and, and they're ultra secure. I, I tell you what, data for business, it's it's a big deal and it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. A, a good example is um, there's a, a, a company and I won't say who they are, but um, they were looking to put in um, – just your broadband connection and they were in another state and, you know, they got quoted from Verizon because it was business. Yep. They got quoted $1,000 a month for oh. like 30 megabits. I oh, have oh, come on. I have 50 megabits at home and I'm not pay- – I'm paying like 49 bucks or something like yes. that. So it's like businesses get just – they get they get screwed a lot of times, but data and business is expensive, and I think net neutrality is you know if they overturn it, it's it's well it's been overturned. It's only going to make it worse, and you're just gonna it, it it's just there's gonna be a lot of mayhem. There'll be an appeal coming up. It's going to take a year before this sinks in, but if it stays as is, there's going to be a big change in 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 our. In our in, in all of our industries, yeah, it's going to be really. I mean, you know what? We're we're in uh, we're in the frontier. You know, we're inventing things. We're writing the rules as we go. And I think everybody, whether you know, whether it's Pandora, Spotify, everybody knows that there's a wealth of product out there on the net. So you know, Apple's found a way to, to monetize it through hardware. Everybody's trying to figure out. There's a gold rush. It's the new. Communication age, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So everyone's trying to figure out how to get a piece of this pie. How do they or lever- bigger pieces? How do they leverage what they own to have you prioritize to pay more to them? Now, I will say before we end this and we move on to something else that in you know from the Verizon's, the AT and T's, from the big boys. It's not inexpensive to do oh, some no. of these things, to make your connection faster, to to provide all the bandwidth that they have to provide. And it's going up at some ridiculous exponential rate. It's not the download so much as the upload. Upstream. Yeah. 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 Bobby, I have a couple questions for you before we before we wrap this. Uh, number one, do you have any idea as to who is on the appeal side, whether there's any deep pockets like from Silicon Valley to try to push back on this? Because I could see this as being, you know, pretty horrendous for, you know, pretty stifling of innovation in Silicon Valley. And then number two, supply and demand. If something like this were to happen, you know, maybe I have my Pollyanna hat on for a second, but is it possible that there could be some up-and-comer who could come along and lay down, you know, better bandwidth, lay down better cables, some other way for us to be able to get something into the house, the Verizons and AT&Ts and stuff would have to compete against somebody who could be offering an unlimited data well, know, that, that's Google. Package. Google's yeah. already doing that in – I think it's Topeka was their first place. And um, it's a grand experiment for them. And, of course, they, they're the only one that can afford it besides you know, a, a telecom company. Um, What's John Malone doing? I mean John Malone created TCI, which laid down most of the cable in, in America. Yeah. And then it became AT&T and yeah. – you know, but another one that just reminds yeah. me is, is Comcast, of course. Yeah. 
and Comcast, because they have their fingers in Universal and, and yeah. NBC, yeah. you know, this is a, a big deal for them. Um, so it, it, this can work both ways for them, you know, one way or the other. Because if if the net neutrality law is struck down and it stays down, then it works for them that way because they, they just raise the price uh, on their, their – um, uh, on their bandwidth. If it works the other way, then they have their – they're the biggest um, cable company across the United States. So they can work on that way as well. And they can also work on, on the content side. So they're in the best position to survive through all this. By the way, did you see the charter is trying to buy Time Warner Cable? Wow. Charter. Yeah. That's uh- – you would think it'd go the other way around, right? And they'd be the second biggest, second yeah. largest. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, we'll uh, we're going to move on, but that's uh, I-, I tell you, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and we'll uh, we'll keep our uh, eyes open. But I just really encourage you if you're out there and this sparks any type of uh, fire in you, you know, call your congressman, you know, Ooh. call your government officials. I mean, they. They listen, and uh, you know it may just seem like one voice, but you know it's a it's an important voice. So I really encourage people to to do that. Moving on, Ken Kane. Hello, I brought Ken in here because a we'll talk about Nam and and stuff. But number one, um, I just wanted to do an update because I, I got back in touch with Ken uh, what a week ago, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and I was just so proud of him. Ken started his own his own uh, sound company, and uh, Uncle Mike. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I love you, man. You no, know, it's so true. Uh, listen, I used to work with Ken. He used to be my assistant editor, and I would mix the shows that Ken would uh, edit the dialogue on. And he was very meticulous. And now he's out there working the stages and uh, mixing independent features and uh, doing a ton of Lifetime movies and things like that. I just think that's pretty awesome. Thank how did you, you tell? Let's talk a little bit about your transition and how you how you made that jump. Transition or just I just kept going, you know. Really, just there was no transition, I guess, or maybe there was a transition, whatever you want to call it. I just I've always wanted to do my own thing, and that's you know working for you, working for other people, you know, done some stuff at Trailer Park, but just pursuit of my own business, really. And sound is what I like, so I keep doing that. Now, tell everybody about how you how you work because you have your own place, but yet you work in different stages around town, correct? Yeah, we have a small room. My partner and I have a small room uh, over in Burbank, and we do most of the editing there. You know, and for instance, today we rented out a Foley stage over at a place called Anarchy Post. They also have a stage that we'll use, and we do most of the editing in our small bay, and then you know, take it to the stage, do the mix, anything where we need more bigger rooms. You know, like for uh, voiceover, we'll rent out. Just really, it, it all depends on the budget. So if they got no budget, then then they mix in a small room. But, you know, we're proud to say that things translate from our small room to a big stage. Everyone's happy. We're doing, doing, doing good. So that's pretty awesome. That's a really great model and the fact that you have a lot of flexibility to, to grow and to shrink with, with the budget, especially working in the independent side of things. It's crazy. You know? Really, it is crazy. The budgets are... They're crazy, you know, but it, it, it's all right because we're learning how to make it all work, and and I think you know we're getting to a place where people are seeking us out, and they're you know they're calling us even before they're shooting now and asking us to give them bids, which is it's it's a cool place to get to, you know, because they're they're thinking about us before you know typically 
we get we get to the post part of uh, the movie and they've already spent their budget. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you know, we've we've done a lot of those, and I think you know we've kind of just earned our way into being able to work on better things. What's the uh, best thing about uh, you know running your own little sound company? Waking up at six every day. <laughs> <laughs> So work, the best working, or through, worst. working through the weekends. <laughs> I guess just you know, like opening up your your checkbook and it's got your business name on it, and everything you do is it's up to you. And what's you know, just, what's the worst thing about having your own? <laughs> all the same. It's all one and the same. I guess <laughs> opening up your checkbook <laughs> and seeing nothing in there. <laughs> opening up the bank account, going, oh man, <laughs> yeah, not not buying Christmas presents for your family. But you, I know the I, I see the light. Finally, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that you know things that's are awesome. Up. Yeah, that is so cool. Because you know you were you're a grinder, man. Uh, it's Ken, crazy. Ken's I, always had your. You've always had a little studio. He's always had a place to work. Even when he was doing. Um, editing for me and side projects for me he would always have his own little place and uh and he just he just kept on going i'll tell you two things that if if you want to take uh the same path that ken's taken number one is you got to be a really good guy to work with and ken's really easy to work with and i can see why clients would want to come back because he shoots straight number two you got to be just meticulously detailed and and i know ken's editing is very detailed he he would always catch a lot of little snaps and pops and clicks that that i wouldn't catch and uh if you just put your nose to the grindstone man you gotta be crazy (laughs) but i think that's actually a really good you know you see a lot more and more of that type of uh of that business model you know you gotta you gotta have some flexibility how many times have we seen guys open up a facility right they do the facility first then they try to go out and get their their clients, and unfortunately, if the clients don't come, next thing you know, at that great stage that was you know, first sale exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have tried. This is my fourth studio, so it's not like I haven't. You know, I've definitely opened up other studios and totally failed. But you know, you got to fail your way to the top, I guess, and that's what people say. <laughs> I, guess I guess it's true. Well, Ken, we're Fall flat on the face. We're uh, we're really uh, proud of you. Thanks, man. And uh, excited to be back part of this. You know, <laughs> learn new things. Well, you and know, I, I don't really get the opportunity to you know stuck in my cave Welcome. all day long. This is a great yeah, boy. Here. Answering that camaraderie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you back. Well, hey, listen, um, we're going to take a break now, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Nam, all things Nam. Oh, um, oh. We're going to talk about stuff we want to see, stuff we don't want to see. And stuff we think we might want to see. <laughs> I'm guessing there are going to be some people with wildly improbable hairstyles there. I don't know. It's just call me crazy. <laughs> All right. So we'll take a break and uh, we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we were uh, talking about net neutrality and the ramifications of that being overturned. And we were also talking to to Ken and uh, how proud we are of him. Ken, we are so proud of you. (laughs) What's the name of your company? Uh, My company is called Sound Brigade. 
Nice. Sound Brigade. Yeah. There you go. Do you have a URL? Yeah, soundbrigade.com. There you go. Wow. Very yeah. surprised that that was available. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, but guys, I tell you, what's the best thing about New Year's? Nam. New Year's is just means we're getting closer to Nam. And uh, Nam is right around the corner, literally right around the corner. And I tell you, this Nam, I haven't been this excited for a Nam in a long, long time. And I think I'm excited for Nam because there's a lot of buzz. Seems like the industry is is going into Nam with a uh, with hope and with a lot of like, hey, we're, we've turned the corner. You know, things are looking up, and uh, there's just a lot of technology that I'm interested to see where it goes. There's a lot of interesting things that are out there, and uh, you know. NAM is so important. It's always been important. Well, it's been important to the audio nowcast because basically NAM was responsible for the podcast in the first place because I've told the story many times on the podcast. But that's where me and Rob and Scott a couple of times yep. actually got together and started to do the first unofficial audio nowcast at uh, at the annual NAM dinner we used to have. And uh, and it's just a great time to get together. Um, and uh, really quick, Bobby, I'm going to go to you again. Why don't you explain what NAM is for the people? Like two people that don't know what NAM is. It's the National Association of Music Merchants. It was originally conceived as a place for manufacturers to talk to their dealers face-to-face, show them new products, and um, give them training. Um, They cannot buy on the floor. They can't, which is kind of silly. You can show them stuff, but you can't take their order. Unlike other exhibitions where you can uh now to some degree it's less um necessary from the standpoint that everybody that goes there knows everything they need to know already about the product because they see on the internet press releases they see you know they see videos about it so it's kind of less necessary than it used to be but People still like it. It's and like a Comic Con. But you know what? Fun. And it's still growing, though. I mean, they're yeah. still growing. People are still waiting lists to go to to show to be an exhibitor. And I think it's because of the contact you get with people. People yes. still need people. And and I know it's. I'll read up. And and I've already done. I've read up a bunch about a bunch of products that I want to see now, and I want to actually. To, Which are. To, just out of curiosity. Oh, well, I'll tell you one right off the bat is uh, Slate Digital with their new um, virtual microphones. I'm really curious to see about that. And uh, and I'll tell you because, number one, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And, and Slate does some really good stuff with the virtualization. Now, I know I've been really kind of hard on Raven and, and I haven't been the biggest fan of Raven. Having said that – their smaller version of Raven is actually pretty cool, you know. And Are they selling any? Does anybody know? I, you know what? I don't know if they're selling any of the big ones, um, but you know, if I had the money, I I, I think I I would probably do the smaller version. What's of the, the small Raven. one go for? It's like twenty five hundred bucks. What is it? And it's a it's basically a, they overlay their own interface over. Um, Pro Tools and now Logic, which they're going to be showing over at the show, um, and it's on a big touch screen. On a big touch screen. Now there's some cool things. I- I'll tell you. I-, I used to be really anti. If you listen to the podcasts as of last year, I was a little iffy on touch. And certain ways, I- I'm I'm still a little iffy on touch. But 
you know, it's all about evolving. You know, you can't stay still. People's opinions change. My opinion change. And I'm I'm really into into touchscreens if it's done properly. Rob, you know what, Mike? You put you said something. I don't want to let it go by too long because you said something that's actually really appropriate about NAM. You said that NAM is a great place to see new things, and you have things you're excited to see. I would say NAM is an amazing place to see new things. And a terrible, terrible place to try to hear new things. Absolutely. Sure. And, That's true. You know, you have all those people trying to sell you speakers and microphones and all these other things. It's a great place to get excited about the stuff you'd want to check out in your own studio. But after all these years of going to NAMS, I finally have given up on trying to make any kind of critical decisions ever on the floor about how anything sounds. And it's amazing to me uh, how much uh, manufacturers still try to focus on getting you to hear what they're doing. Even though the guy three inches away from them is also trying you to get to get you to hear what they're doing, yeah, um, you know, and it becomes like a free for all. But uh, I, I view NAM as a way to see amazing stuff that I then want to hear in a better environment and people, people you haven't yeah, yeah. seen for a long. Yeah. That's one thing I love about yeah. NAM. For me, it's you know, after you do this for so long, there's not a whole lot you haven't seen. There's there's always the two or three, four things that, well, okay, I got to check that out. Um, a couple things I like. First of all. There's kind of what I call my NAM family. There's people I only get a chance to see at NAM, And there's a certain energy and a buzz. Like I know from the sound designer standpoint, you know, we'll probably meet usually in front of the Avid booth. And there'll be anywhere from two, four, six, eight of us start, you know, coming along. And then it's, it's a way of catching up. What are you doing? What are you doing? How's the business? All of a sudden, we're so busy being in our own little caves. Yes. I, I will say... One of the worst plans you could have at NAM is to plan to walk the show with Scott Gershon. <laughs> you will find yourself five hours in, you're in about three feet from the front door. Yeah, that's no, it is true. It is true. I mean, I, I go in and usually the first day, that's why I go for multiple days, is probably within about a 50 feet. I want to get about 50 feet within the first day um, just because there's so much. But it's great. I mean, that's really what it's about. Everyone asks What's exciting? What's not? Where's it going? What are you up to? You know, and uh, and the other thing which I don't want to poo-poo uh, as much. Where the fuck that came from? Is like, um, edit, edit. Um, <laughs> and one of the really other cool things that I like about Nam a lot is uh, I forgot which uh, room it is. It's the back and the bottom. Oh, E. Is that e? Holy. Yeah. Okay, holy. Oh, e. Now, yep. where all holy the beautiful wood is, is and the very special and... to a lot of us because. You know, you always see the big manufacturers, and, and they're very obvious. Hall E, I like to spend about a half a day. Why? These are the mom and pops. These are the people that you don't even the know crazy their inventors. Yeah. Crazy inventors that come up, the guy with the ribbon keyboard, and, and, and just things that are really innovative. If you want to be innovation at NAM, you go to, to, to the uh, E Hall, and it's great. Uh, and, you, you know, all the guitar makers as being a guitarist. I mean, they're not any of the names you would ever know. And but Hall, they make amazing stuff. Hall E is where they will sell you whatever you want. Sure. Yeah, all, all you have to I, do – go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, can I just quickly tell again my story of my, fav, my favorite insane product that I ever saw in Hall E? Which is? Do you remember? It was an adapter from XLR, oh, you know, yeah. from a mic connector. <laughs> That's right. To a three-prong AC cord. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's right. I so that you could use – so that you could use like a lawnmower extension cord as a really long mic cable. <laughs> you can just imagine the liability lawsuits uh, from that product. 
Yeah, that's right. I remember you talking about that. Well, it was all kinds of stories like that. Awesome product. Awesome product. I'll tell you what. The cool thing about Hall E, too, is like I said, that's where – one year, that's where I bought like 14 microphones from you, – what, what you do is you go to oh, any the of Asian, the yeah, – you the go Asian. to like any of the, the Chinese microphone companies because they don't want to take their stuff back. Yeah. And not only that, but also guitar companies, any any of the, the Asian um, imports and even the Indian ones too from uh, really mostly international stuff that's down there. And uh, you just make them an offer and you get some silly, silly things. I got this acoustic guitar with a hard case Last Nam. It's a beautiful guitar with this exotic wood inlay and everything with a hard case, right? For a hundred bucks. You rock. <laughs> I, mean, I, always, was... I always feel so bad for those Asian manufacturers down in Holly. They look so lonely. Yeah, you know? yeah, There's yeah. all like the heavy metal guys wailing on the bass at a million miles an hour and right next to them. It's like, here I am in my little blue suit trying to sell you a metronome. But, but you know what? <laughs> they are, they're doing deals though. It's like <laughs> – if you go to some of those microphone companies, they're just – you always see them you know, talking with their reps and always making, making deals and deals. Although lately, um, my supplier of, uh, of microphones, um, he, like last Nam, he didn't sell any, any microphones. I didn't see him selling anything. So I wonder if somebody came in there and just bought the whole lot. You, you mean know? selling to selling individuals? To display, exactly, the display see, models. Yeah. But you know what? You know another thing to score at Nam. Is mic cables? These mic cables here, really? They all came from that because this this mic cable, which is about twenty feet, is five bucks. And oh, I, just, I'm going to Nam with yeah, you, man. Yeah, you right. know how to Seriously. do the bargain shop. What you do? You have to go the last day, and, yeah, that's and a problem, you yeah. don't you talk about buying. Sunday. You can't talk about buying anything the first couple days. You can't because they're not. They're going to say no, 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 no. You go there around Sunday and you go around eleven thirty. Okay, you go around eleven thirty and you find out if they're going to, and they're not going to sell it to you right then and there, but they'll be going, you know, come back later. So then you come back later, you go at like two thirty, and then poof, by two thirty, it's it's fire sales, and you got to go in there and you can pick up, you know, mic cables and ukuleles and and you know all kinds of stuff, whatever you want. And, and there's no football it. games this Sunday, yeah, so I know. You know, yeah, Mike, I will point out that you're giving away all your best secrets and. Uh, <laughs> I know. And it's you know, I care. believe it or not, uh, this is supposed to be the biggest NAM ever. They are expecting, you yes. ready for this, 95,000 uh, people this time. I thought they around. had 110,000 a couple of years ago. Oh. It, it doesn't matter. It's an enormous it's amount. It just means the parking is going to be. It's getting bigger. And, yeah, parking, you got to show up Thursday for the Sunday show. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. If you're not in there, if you're not at a parking spot by 9 a.m., you're in some hellacious traffic. I always get yeah. there about an hour and a half before doors, and I just have breakfast nearby. Yeah. You know, because it's it's ridiculous. You know, trying to park. I want to go. But. Hey, but, you know, talking about NAM, there's a couple things I want to get you guys – you know, I told you about Slate Digital, about the virtual microphone that, that I'm interested. But I'm also, I'm also interested to see Roland and their new, their new um, drum machine. You know, I want to see what that does because they have a keyboard coming out and they have a drum machine coming out. And one of our podcasts, we were basically, you know, what's happening with, uh, with Roland. And I just – for me, this seems like it's a pretty – critical nam for those guys it's it's gonna say you know hey we're here we're still doing fun innovative cool things or oof. well you know <laughs> i mean one of the big things i'm looking forward to did you have something rob 
Well, I was just going to say, so it's hard to see over Skype, but I think when Mike said Roland with the new drum machine, I think Bobby made a stinky face, <laughs> which, which I kind of made a stinky face too, um, because a company like Roland has to come out with something other than another new drum machine to remain relevant and exciting these days. Yeah, and they well, have a new TR-909. Yeah, right? well, they have, they have a new... They have a the new, 1010. Yeah. <laughs> they have a wow. new keyboard coming out. They have some new keyboards coming out. So I just want to see what they do. Because like I said, this is really important to see where Roland is in the whole this whole thing. Because like like I said, you know, I'm concerned about Roland. They're, they're, they have a great history, and I just want to make sure they have a great future. Of course, Yamaha just bought Line 6. Yeah. Yes, which yes. was very strategic, although Line 6 is going to be a wholly owned subsidiary and nothing's going to change. So they but it should be in a year or two how what the fruit of that venture but, bears. But even Yamaha, let's see what they do with their keyboards. They, they've They're, been very stagnant yes, the last couple of years. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing is I want to see what these major players are doing. You know there's going to be some cool you know, soft synth out there. There's going to be all kinds of cool little software, innovative, awesome products. It's the, it's the big guys. I want to see how they're going to start responding to this because some of the medium guys have been doing really well. Look at Dave Smith. I was about to yeah. say. Dave Smith, yeah. man. The Prophet 12, that thing rocks. And then another company that's on the medium that's doing really good is you look at Moog. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Moog is just on a roll. The sub fatty, yeah. that's just – I mean that's, yeah. that's such a great keyboard. That is like – that's a great keyboard, and and then you got like you got Roland that's coming up in there, you know, with this drum machine, and then you have um, Electron. They have a new beatbox coming out that's has, supposed to be this analog thing. And the crazy thing about analog, and the crazy thing about this whole, you know, beatboxing is the guys that are doing it really well are the Eurorack guys, the guys downstairs. Yeah. The whole Eurorack thing is exploding. I mean, that is just taking off. And and I'm kind of glad because there's something cool about seeing a whole rack of of modules and you see and you buy a, you know, you see what an LFO looks like and you see an, uh, your, nothing your like tone a nice generators rack. and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm Let's just seeing guitars. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but you, you go, go ahead. ahead. You know, the, the other part is even out of the instrument side of it, what I'm fascinated to see if it's represented at NAM is for uh, for most of us, we now are entering into an interesting problem on the Mac side. It used to be inside a Mac, you had card cages oh, yeah. and hard drives and all these things and all fit into one big silver box. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we've got what we all kind of call the trash can, which is you know, the new Mac Pro. And the problem is... You know, they say, you know, they show the Mac and it's pretty and it's, and it gleans in there. And then someone says, here's what it's really going to look like. You got all these and there's a dozen cables yeah. sticking out the back with all these odd drives and, 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 and card uh, um, boxes. So the question is, you know, how do you, like, we rack mount all our Macs because we, we travel. How's this going to happen? So what I'm fascinated to find out at NAM is what brainchild? Is coming up with solutions. Uh, you know, you know, Magma Chassis is going to come out with something. Oh yeah, they already have something. Right. So the question is, what is the the next mom and pop concept where someone said, you know, I just uh, I bought the hardware solution like this. Well, you know, Magma Chassis—they're not a very big company. They're down in San Diego, and yeah. it's relatively small compared to for what they do. Um, I will say that uh, the new the new Mac Pro, man, I I wish I was still touring because that would be an awesome touring keyboard rig because you're not tied in 
with all the rest of your interface and your cards. So if your Mac goes down, you just swap it out with another Mac as opposed to in the old days where you had cards yeah. inside. Yeah. If, if, your, if your Mac went down, then you had to get another Mac and, with a whole other set of cards. So it's kind the of – Drivers. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And, you, and you look at um, – you know, Thunderbolt's taking off. You look at um, uh, Motu, their, uh, their classic – their, well, their classic uh, interface yeah, just, got a, uh, just got a uh, – the 80-something or another just got a Thunderbolt uh, option that you can get. And um, I, I, think, I think Thunderbolt, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where that all goes. All the film scoring guys that I know are getting Apogee Symphony 64s with the Thunderbolt connection. No kidding. Yep. And they're getting ready to – they've already got their wastebasket max on order and it's just going to be like – No kidding. And the Symphony 64 has got USB so you can use it temporarily with whatever you have. And then when the new you know, fat Mac comes along, you just plug it in. Well, I just built a massive over Christmas, a massive RAID system, Thunderbolt-based rather than NAS-based. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm prepping. It's going through a Mac Mini, but I know where that's going to get switched to. to de- and it's, and it, it does 800 megabits per second. Whoa. It's fast. I'll, I'll tell you, man, that that just the fact that you can build out like that is awesome. And the fact that you can also build small. When you see like Focusrite coming out with their lightning, um, they, their new dock that they have with a lightning connector for iPads and iPad minis and stuff like that, that is cool. That's hip. It has the mic pre-built in with the stereo in and out. And I mean – you can build big, but the fact that you can scale it down and go small, and and I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff on tablets and small. You know me; I've been preaching that lately. But uh, I just think that the innovation is going to be there on on that level. That's that's going to be um, pretty amazing. I, I'll tell you. I'll get to you, Rob. I see you that you're waving. Um, I have a friend of mine who put together a VO booth. All right, and she just does VO, and she is doing her VO on an iPad. That, that's it. It's, she doesn't. She's not even using a laptop or anything. So it's like, it's it's happening. Go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say while you're talking about Thunderbolt stuff, I wanted to give some mad props to the uh, Universal Audio Apollo with the Thunderbolt option. Yes, yep. that's that's what we've been using here in Austin, and it is just rock solid and amazing. It, it, it is, and it sounds great. The UAD stuff it, sounds great. It sounds so now, so good. Now that I've said that, it's probably going to crash tomorrow and cause me all kinds of chaos. <laughs> Rob, have it you been, been re- What have you software been are you using it with? Sorry. Uh, we're using it with Pro Tools. I was going to ask, have you been recording with plugins instantiated on the way in? Or are you just, you know? Where no, you we're like monitoring. Lo- you're, you're monitoring through it. So you don't have like an LA-2A on the vocal on the way in. or You know, you haven't, you haven't played Not around on the way in, no. We have hardware doing the compression. But we are using a fair amount of plugins on the way out and I have the buffer size real small and nobody's noticing any latency. I mean, I used to be a complete snob about, you know, needing DSP hardware because I hate latency going in. If we were using LA two A plugins and stuff going in, we'd have a latency problem, but because it's in hardware, it's not an issue. So are you but, using that in, in, instead of the one ninety two? Yeah, this is a mobile rig that uh, the band is rehearsing with and we'll end up using live for track playback and stuff too. You know, having said that though, Rob, I've I've recorded with the Apollo with plugins on the way in and it it's not there's hardly any latency. I mean, they're really efficient, especially if the UAD you know? plugins. They're exactly. If so they're the, UAD plugins, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, they're really efficient. I think see, Apollo's a, a good example. Um, you know, there's a lot of of people knocking on the door that used to be owned by by Digi, you know. I mean, well, now is Avid, and 
I think Avid, you know, they're not doing themselves any favors in some of the things that they're doing. For instance, one of my biggest pet peeves that I have with Avid right now is the fact that you cannot get Pro Tools 10 um, to work on Mavericks. It's not, it's not Mavericks compatible, you know? And the only thing that's Mavericks compatible is is Pro Tools 11. And I understand why they want to do that, but I don't think they realize what that jump means to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that it's a that's a big big jump and a big big commitment, you know. And so someone like myself who, you know, I'm working on Final Cut Pro and I have I do a lot of other software. But that why I did you go to Pro Tools 11? Why don't I go to Pro no, Tools? No, why 11? did you? No, no I haven't. I have you seen that in like in post, but but I don't know many people that have gone to eleven. But, no, I have but, no but, interest in going to but eleven. Here's, but here's yeah. the problem. The problem is, is in order for me to run on my Mac my latest version of Final Cut yeah. and some of these other things, I need to go to Maverick. So basically, what's happened is is their lack of Maverick support has pretty much pushed. Pro Tools off my main computer, and now it's on my second computer. It's a, and 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 that's it's just so. I always I do that. Though. It's like why it's, why do that? It's, it's not like it's it, it's you know they had the builds. You know I know it's it's a conscious thing. It's not like it's like oop we overlooked it. But I just think they're really shooting themselves in the foot because the more you push yourself away from the consumer, the consumer will find a way to get the job done. They're trying to force everyone to go to AAX. And, and I, I just right. – look, I understand AAX and, and it works really well. Like on my, my work rig where I have the, uh, the HDX cards, there's you know AAX plugins, zero latency. I mean they're fast and they're good and I totally get it. But why not let me work on 10 until I'm to that point at my home studio to be able to make that switch? And that that really bugs me because meanwhile, you've got companies that are coming down the pipe doing some really cool stuff like even, you know, Logic, Logic X, you know, and Cubase. And you've got, you know, all the different other softwares that are out there. And now, you know, you've got Apollos that are sounding great and you've got those interfaces that are sounding awesome. I, I just – you know they're going to lose. They're losing already a lot of the music, but they're you know, if there's anybody can even do post production close to as easy as you can get it done on a on a Pro Tool system, you know I think I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But probably too well, small I mean, of a market for them to even think about that. I, I think really. the problem is you know when you look at Avid both visually and audibly, they actually have a big problem. Um, is everyone who needs one bought one? I mean, Avid's right now, you mostly rent them. You don't buy them on the picture side. So there's a problem there. And most of the people, like post-production, spent millions and millions and millions of dollars per company. Now they're like, well, we already got it. We don't have the latest, but it doesn't matter. So now what's happening is the big market share and those big sales, you know, then they did churches with venues. And those kind of, everyone who needed one got one. Mm -hmm. So now software doesn't sell. They need to sell more hardware. Now well, the like, S6 now. They're going to pick well, right. up a, a so lot now, of the S6. But the S6 is interesting because um, it's truly not inexpensive. And, and they're, they're in this interesting market because on one hand, we've gotten so used to working with affordable prices. You know, where there, there's been many solutions. Before, I mean, yes, if you're looking at a million-dollar console, that's great. But a lot of people get used to not having to buy a million-dollar console. Yeah. Now the question is, 
They have one console. We got the M10 and the M40. Well, the M40 is expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be over a hundred thousand yeah. dollars, and it's not that big. So then there's the M10, which isn't as powerful. That's between twenty and sixty. Yeah. So the question, I guess, is is how this is going to work? What's the solution for the middle guy? The Artist series is interesting, but it's got some significant bugs to it. Yep. So um, and 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 post production's getting smaller, not bigger. Yeah, yeah. People are getting less money. I mean, right. there's more companies going out of business, and there's only a handful of big independents and then a whole lot of little guys. Yeah, um, Ken, do you think that it would be a wise business decision for you to knock down $25,000? Twenty five. You, you know? can't get it for twenty five. <laughs> I mean, the M40, 16 faders, $60,000. Yeah, so no. I'm sure you've got 60000 just burning a hole in your pocket on the indie films <laughs> that you're posting, right? Yeah. I, I still just try to buy used stuff. I put together a used native. I'm looking at old, you know, D commands. It's interesting. Because like, you can get them cheap, $8,000 for 24 faders. Or right, less, but the price is going up. So what's happening is... The price of what? Uh, 12 cores and, and icons. Yeah. Because now it's exactly what's going on is people don't want to pay. So before... It was worth a whole lot less. Yeah. The deals, if someone wants to get rid of it, you get you could do a great deal now. Absolutely. But what's happening is people going, well, I don't want to move forward and I got to get something new. Why? You know, we're expanding into we're building like 20, 25 more rooms. Right. But the problem is, what are we going to use? Yeah. Where do we get the gear? Are we forced this way? No. You know, we just bought a 24 channel D command. All of a sudden, you got one, they're selling. And because, but they're still keeping a certain price. I tell you, the, it's it's really. I'm gonna. It's gonna be really interesting to see the Avid booth and just to see how they're going to sell themselves because they got to do a serious sell to to make some of these companies put that kind of money in to something that you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, is just going to allow them to do what they do already. You know, right. and but, that, and you know what, Rob, you have a really good saying about that, right? About software, it's something about it's, it's one of the only things that you pay money to do your. I don't know. You sit it on a, uh, to, on buy, a to buy a product that doesn't quite work yet. You sit on one of the podcasts, and I, I, I wish I should have looked it up about the fact that you pay money just to do the job that you're doing right now. Anyway. Well, yeah, you can pay. That's the thing I always have about Pro Tools upgrades, especially the big ones that force you to buy a lot of new hardware because you know you have to replace your computer and your interfaces and everything else you spend a whole lot of money to end up basically where you started um and that's what drives me absolutely crazy so so it'll be interesting to see what happens at nam and how they're going to sell themselves because there's a lot of really cool things out there and there's a lot of cool companies doing like you know apollos things like that so it, it that'll that, be really interesting to see i'll tell you really quick i'm going to move forward a little bit on this on this nam thing um I'll tell you something I'm really looking forward to, and I and I looked it up too, is Nord has a new synthesizer. Yeah. And, and A one? Yeah. Yeah. That that to me is gonna be I'm really looking forward to seeing what that sounds like. Cause they I love their stuff. It has such a great sound. And it's it's those are the kind of things that you wish I you know, Roland should be coming out with their version of that. So I'm I'm hoping oh, when Nord comes out with something, you feel like you're going to witness some innovation. Same thing with yeah. Dave Smith. Same thing with a lot of these manufacturers. And it's been a while with Roland and Yamaha where you haven't felt like this is flavor number 600 of the thing we've kind of already seen before. And they always make improvements, but it always seems incremental. 
Yeah. And you need to make a bigger splash than that these days. Yeah, because if I see another wave drum, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I got I to gotta say my Nord story. I have an Electro 2 and I love it because I went from, you know, carrying around a Hammond and a Wurlitzer and mm. all of this stuff to, right. you know, a Nord Electro 2 and a keyboard amp in the back of my car. But I just could not get down with the red. So I took it apart and I hung the cover of the thing in my in my garage no. and I spray painted it black <laughs> and then I took off the red wooden cheek blocks on the end, sanded them down and restained them brown. Oh, so it looks like this oh. awesome seventies keyboard. I'm into that. Oh, oh man, it still sounds great. And the key- I love the keyboard action on, on the electro as well. They're wonderful. I just my. I can't that bright red color looks like a toy on stage for me. You know, I just can't. I can't go there. It's so. like a red sports car. Yeah, it'll be right. interesting. Yeah, well, uh, you know, go going ahead. back to Avid for for a second, sure. just one more comment. Let me make a prediction on Avid. Their stock is taking a real beating, and they just yeah. got a new CEO and president. And my prediction is, within a year, you're going to see them in really rough shape and spinning off. The audio division, what was uh, DigiDesign. And when that happens, it's either going to sink or swim. It's either going to go down the tubes or someone else is going to buy it and really make it work. Yeah. You know. But Digi can't go away because there's too many industries. Well, I mean, whoever owns it is guaranteed to make money. Now, how they run it efficiently is, is definitely its own story. Well. But there is a user base there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting though because they're actually their stock. It's low, right? It's at seven seventy two. I li- I just looked it up. Yeah. I've seen it as low as five nineties. I've yeah. seen it in the in the fives. It's it's not great because back in the in the heyday, you know, they were in the thirties, they were in the forties, they were up there. So they're definitely on life support. I just. For some reason, they're, they're treading water, you know? And so we'll see how long they can tread water. I, it just seems so obvious that if they just were, made themselves a little more consumer friendly, they would just be making money hand over fist, you know? It just, to me, I, I just don't understand where the disconnect is. Because if you're sitting here and you're thinking, hmm, do I want to go with a Cubase? Do I want to go with, uh, with, um, you know what Studio the disconnect One? is? Or can I with Pro Tools? No, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Where? They're public. They no. don't care about anything except the next quarter. Ah, eh, you know what? But the result of that is that they've become a universally reviled company Absolutely. on the part of the professional and, audio industry. And not only that, they have a revolving door at the top. Yeah. So what's happening is everybody comes in and, and it's a turnaround. And, and they're going to turn around for the board and turn around for the stockholders, which means they're going to make money as soon as possible. You know, that's so funny you say that because when you read their press releases – they're definitely that pro raw raw corporate hype. You know, Avid just releases the brand new S series, blah blah blah. It's the state of the art as a leader. You know, it has all that, all the buzzwords for like the shareholder to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, well, the investors, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why they get and, excited and about it. And you know what? If you, I think either uh, Motley Fool or one of the other investment sites, they actually had a buy on Avid. Um, at the end of last year, they were they were 2013 or 2012. No, th- 2013. Really, they were saying, "Hey, this is a stock that what's that guy? Jim? What's his name? Um, Jim Cramer. Yeah, Jim Cramer. It may have even been him because they were so low. And this is when the new um, 
boards were coming out and it's like, hey, you know, innovative, leading the charge. You can tell he read the press release and just based his opinion off that, you know. Um, but that, that makes a lot of sense about why they do business the way they do. But having said that, you would think that to have a quick – you know, boost for that quarter. Lower your lower the but, price but, of your software. But wait, the people that are coming in are not of this industry. Yeah, that's, that's true. The, again, they're used to selling bread. They're used to selling jewelry. Well, they're they're not. They're corporate guys. I tell you what, I, I uh, and I mentioned this on a podcast, a couple of them. But the new CEO, I was reading on Yahoo Finance, um, you know, on their message board that he he specializes in basically. Um, Breaking up companies and selling them off, and but he came in, you know, in the middle of last year. So it'll be, it's really interesting to see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of people that are jumping ship. They, you know, they did some really smart things, and then they did some really dumb things. I mean, like when they launched their whole venue, they got the top live mixers and they put them on payroll, and they were the evangelists. But at the same time, they also got rid of all those same mixers. I'm going to be curious to go by the Steinberg booth and see whether the notation package that all the guys from Sibelius who all got fired by Avid, you know, Avid built, got this, you know, they bought out Sibelius, this gorgeous piece of notation software. They then went and fired the entire team and said, well, our guys in the Ukraine can continue taking care of this. And they all went en masse to Steinberg where they've been building the next and what will undoubtedly be the greatest notation software ever. So I'll be really curious to see. Well, I can that's, that's I can there. tell you that there will not be a Steinberg booth, but it will be in the Yamaha booth. Oh, really? Steinberg is over at Yamaha. Steinberg will be at Yamaha. They'll have more of a presence than they did last year. Uh, I'm not going to be doing cool. demos because I wasn't even sure that I was going to be able to make it back for the show, which I'm glad I am. But uh, but Steinberg will be showing stuff in the. Uh, my understanding is they'll be showing stuff in the Yamaha booth at the Marriott. So oh, check them out there. Cool. That's cool, and in some ways a little disappointing because it was they were that little end that they had was kind of you know. Well, yeah. I mean, last with. year they had a last year they had a very tiny presence, uh, and this year it's bigger. But it will. Uh, last year they didn't have that end booth either, but. Uh, they had a small presence in the Yamaha booth. They should have more of one this year. And they do have exciting stuff to talk about. It's just these shows are insanely expensive. And yeah. at some point, these companies have to decide whether they're worth it. And plenty of companies have decided it's not worth it at all because they can be a part of Yamaha. It's a huge savings and the word gets out. Oh, well, yeah. And the fact that exactly they are part of Yamaha kind of makes sense. Um you know, for the for the numbers, um, really quick. Let's get back to Nam. Um, everybody here going. You're, I know you're going, Bobby, and I know Three you're days. going, Scott. Are you going? Absolutely. And uh, Vietnam? No, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rob's going. Okay. You know, I don't think I've missed a Nam in. If there's a spare ticket, I'd be happy. Yeah, probably twenty for me. Yeah, yeah me too. Jeez. <laughs> Next year. By the way, speaking of tickets, um, we've had a couple people have written in. And asked me if I could get them tickets to Nam, and I will tell you, believe me, if I could get people tickets to Nam, I absolutely would. But it's you it's, would be the king of the world. I know, if you right? Could do that. Yeah. But you know, as it is, I have to get them, um, and I'm going as a as a guest of API. Um, but uh, yeah, it's unless you join Nam, you know, it's really really hard. It is to to get a to get a ticket. You got to have some type. But of, are you getting yours? Of curiosity, uh, you know, I I have relationships with manufacturers, 
and also music stores. And what I was recommending mm. is obviously, you know, you have to have the relationship with the, with the manufacturers. But more than that, what I find the easiest way to go is find your pro audio company and see if you can get a NAMM ticket from them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what happens for me sometimes I get so busy, forget. I forget to think about it. And then I realize I didn't ask anyone. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, so lots of times what I do is I remember every time AES finishes – yeah, I thought, oh, hey, you know, I got to do the Nam thing, so I got to yeah. say, can I, can I get a Nam ticket? <laughs> you know, oh yeah, of course, okay, fine. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it, I, what I recommend is uh, all the music stores go. Yeah. So if you if you're uh, uh, if you go to one music store and you support them really well, they'll uh, maybe you know they'll get you a ticket. Even if you're out of state, okay, if you're out of state, I guarantee you your local music store is a member of Nam, and if they're not going. They could get you a badge. Yeah, to go. that's right, and as, they'll probably like somebody else to go. As absolute, matter of fact. Absolutely. So it's it's and, that's your best bet. Go ahead. And I'll also point out uh, if you don't have a ticket, don't bother going. It used to be there yeah. were ways to sneak in, and they've really cracked down on it. Oh yeah, you got to show your ID, and then every do, time you walk in and out of the yeah. door, yeah, and it has show to match your ID. badge. I, we were talking a little bit about this before we uh, started the podcast, but. Do you guys remember the glory years where, like, they didn't check the names? Yeah. And you could go as, like, I remember one year I went as, like, Mrs. Nesbaum. And, <laughs> and they just you make sure. I, I used to get a zillion badges to get my yeah. friends in. And there would be, like, armies of Rob Arbiteers walking around. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely can't do that anymore. Yeah, Actually, you got to show you driver's license. You yeah. do, but also now, even if, because sometimes I'll have multiple manufacturers get me passes if I'm going to, uh, like do demonstrations or talks for multiples, they'll only issue you, they, they catch it most of the time now, and they'll even, they'll tell you, well, pick which one you're here for because we're not going to issue you multiple badges. So they're, they've really cracked down. That used to be a very easy way to get friends in. Oh, yeah. That was, not that I ever did that officially, but it's pretty easy. That was, or, or if you're not going the last couple of days, like for me, I would just yeah, give, yeah. give someone my badge, and you can't do that anymore. No, you can't, because they because they check, they yeah. they check, and they are, man, they are just they're just vicious. Yeah. I mean, they will not let you. If you forget your wallet or something, forget you're it. You're out of you're, luck. You're not you're not and getting in. I I do understand one of the main reasons they did that is it has cut down on theft, which was a massive problem at NAM and yeah. still is somewhat a problem, but it's cut down on that some. But it's definitely made it a less fun show because part of what makes Nam work is the insanity of it, and it's a little less insane uh, without letting everybody <laughs> yeah, sneak yeah. in. It's but the, you know what? There's still plenty of, of insanity left in the Nam. Oh, there is. <laughs> you know, there is. If you're really dedicated to this industry and a little bit clever, you can find a way to get a pass. Although I wouldn't wait till this late. I mean, this is something you should be thinking about, For you know, year. way in advance because. All of the manufacturers and stores have to have all of their reservations in a long time before now. There's also press. I mean, if you're a blogger, right, yeah. Um, yeah. or if you work for, I, you know, I used to review for Electronic Musician Magazine for a long time, and it was never a problem. I always ended up getting a pass through them. Yeah, but but so, now they're asking for your byline, and they want to see examples. Yeah. Which, but if you have, I mean, if you, if I you mean, do if you're really doing it, yeah. if you're yeah. really doing it, yeah. I mean, you know, I would imagine, that Bobby, that would, I don't think you'll have a hard time. Yeah, yeah I, I have several publishers. That <laughs> are you going as press or are you going as? No. I, I didn't even think about it. They they arrived this year <laughs> from different manufacturers. So I mean, that's nice. But uh. I'll tell you what I, I found. Okay, it was great when I got the badge and the whole thing. But the badge to get 
is if you can get a red badge. A red badge, right. Exhibitor badges, those are the best badges to get because you get early entry, right? All access. You get parking mm-hmm. at the exhibitor parking and uh, it's just a, it's just easier in and an easier mm-hmm. out. And they don't – if you buy stuff at the end, they're not checking everything because, you know, yeah. you're an exhibitor so it could be your own stuff. So. I got a green one this year which yeah. – Better than a yellow one. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. See, you know you've made it now when yeah. you start talking about the color of your vest. <laughs> right. And you have a red one probably, right? Or, or no, I have a red one. one. Yeah. yeah. Those are those are fun. All right. Well, then my question is, is anybody going to any hip parties? Do you have any? Uh... There's a couple. Those usually, are the harder ones to get. Usually, yeah. here's the thing. You really – you find out about the parties at NAMM, yeah. right? There's a lot of – I know of a, of a couple that are out there floating, but it's not until you're at NAM when you really find out, you know, some of the cool things. I went to one. I have to tell this story. I went to um, when Stutter Edit first came out. Um, BT was playing in a ballroom um, for Isotope, and I I got a pass to the party for Stutter Edit. I was BT. at that party. Were you really? Yeah. First of all, it was a it was a ballroom like. It was tiny, right? It was the tiniest little ballroom ever. The PA was unbelievably huge. It was and so freaking loud. It was, I think I was it? there for like five minutes. It was. It was the. It was so loud. I, I mean, it was ridiculous. And and actually, um, Richard Devine played before. Oh, oh Richard! Yeah. Well. And and it was him and BT and in a small little room. The bass, I mean, it scared you. It was so powerful. I had earplugs in because I always bring my earplugs. That's the other thing. When you go to NAMM, yeah. you always bring earplugs. And even with my earplugs, I, I had to take my earplugs out, put tissue paper in my ears, and then stick my earplugs back in. Yeah, it doesn't it protect so, your sphincter, though. Was, <laughs> <laughs> the brown note. And I had yeah. to stay away stay away from the uh, – from the, uh, the subwoofer. And what was funny, I see you, Rob, and I'll get to you in one second. What was funny is the bass was so powerful, but you could move around and find where the standing wave is, and then you could get a little relief because there was a little yeah, yeah, less yeah. space here than there was over there. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But yeah, that was that's so funny that you were there. I was there too. It was ridiculous. And I stayed there almost the whole time. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. You know what? I know that I'm old and jaded and clearly no fun, but I have been to... I don't know, 100 NAM parties, 150, I don't know. This will be my, I think, 28th NAM. I've been to a zillion NAM parties. I'm not sure I've ever been to a hip one. (laughs) (laughs) They always end up being rooms full of the people who fought to get into the room, and then once they're in the room, they're screaming over something to try to communicate. I don't know. But the way that 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 Nate thing was pretty good with the bases. Yeah, that, okay. So I've been to a few here. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know what the problem is? You get some great bands that are playing. Yes. And, and some na- nationally known bands that, yeah. are, that are playing. And the audience are the worst because they're not there as fans. They're there yeah. because they get in for free. And, well, yeah, it's horrible. That's horrible. I'll tell you, I saw a really good show. A really good show about four years ago. No, maybe five years ago. It was OK Go was playing at the House of Blues in Anaheim. And the main act was – oh, I forgot his name. He's a steel guitar player, um, uh, really hip, plays oh. – um, um, Oh, Robert Robert Randall. Yes, Robert yeah. Randall. Oh, yeah. OK great. Go, yeah. Robert Randall, 
Unbelievable. That yeah. was probably the best Nam concert that I have been yeah. to. That was, but I, that was really I, good one. You know what, though? Sennheiser. I don't, equate, I don't equate the concerts with the parties because there have been some great concerts. Yeah. I'm yeah. not talking about the concerts. I'm talking about so-and-so is hosting no, a someplace. Oh, yeah. Or oh, yeah, yeah. People go crazy to try to get into those things. It's like when you go to see a booth there, like some guitar metal booth, and there's a line around the block. And every now and then it's fun to follow that line. And every now and then you'll realize that they've lined up for nothing. Like they have the wrong time or the wrong date or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nam is all about trying to get into stuff for a lot of the people who are there. <laughs> That's so true. I find it's fun. And while some of the shows are great, and, and Scott brought up a good one that Nate Watts did that, you know, he was honored and it was an amazing night of bass players and stuff. There have been some amazing shows. But... I find the best thing you can do at NAM is find the people you really want to connect with and organize a gathering. Like, just do your own gathering, a smallish group, and go someplace out of the craziness yeah. Yeah. and actually get a chance to sit and talk because it's incredibly loud. That You know what? That party you were talking about with uh, BT actually goes down in history. I've heard more people describe that as the loudest thing they've ever experienced in their life. <laughs> Absolutely. It was ridiculous. Hey, really quick. What was the... Um Remember one time we went and saw the guy who played the organ in that bus that was behind in the parking lot? That was the coolest thing ever. That was cool. That that was cool. I don't know who he yeah, was. It, was, but it he, was the Dave Smith crowd. And Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Tony uh, – uh, Tony uh, – it would be Tony Monaco if it's a killer Tony Hammond Monaco, organ player. Tony Monaco, he is awesome. Oh, he is one of my favorite incredible people. Incredible Hammond organist. Yeah. And, and, oh, there, was a, there was a crazy thing happening. You want to tell the story, Mike? Tell it. It's no, great. No. No, I'll let you tell it. Go ahead. There was uh, a bunch of us were hanging out with the Dave Smith group and talking about the profits and stuff. Because we went to uh, we went to dinner. Remember, we went to dinner. We went to dinner. They had found out that there was this crazy happening happening someplace behind the Nam show, like in a parking lot. There was supposed to be a bus with a band playing in it. So we were thinking, okay, it's not that late. Let's go check this thing out. And so, so we pull around the back of the hall, like where the trucks unload, and it's completely deserted. It's at night, and there's this crazy-looking bus parked in a parking lot, and we couldn't really see what was going on. And there was a security guard to get into the parking lot because it's where all the 18-wheelers and stuff pull in. And we pulled up, and this guy, I, I guess he's not the world's greatest security guard, but if <laughs> I remember right, we just said something like, yeah, we're supposed to go in here. And he was like, oh, okay. I mean, it was that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And we pull up around and we find this bus and it's this crazy looking old tour bus, but it has like Christmas lights hanging and questionable smoke coming out of it and like <laughs> At a music coming out of it. And, and this was, I remember we got out of the car and we went in and this bus had been gutted and turned into just like a jam session bus. I remember this yeah. Shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tony Monica was playing organ and there was drums, bass. I mean, this was a B3 <laughs> with Leslie. I mean, yeah. it was cranked loud and it was like the most amazing musical happening i think any of any of us had ever attended yeah he was he was so good i mean i have no idea how they got permission to set it up it's never been recreated since they tried but there was something about that night five or six years ago that was just it was it was unbelievable yeah it was awesome well you know what it's stuff like that that makes nam fun and i'm looking forward to all the uh, you just made the audience so jealous I'm jealous. <laughs> Go look it all up on the internet. Hey, it'll all be up there. Yeah, it'll all be up there. You'll have to pay check a lot out, for the download. But, and, uh, you know what? I, I will Tuesday. tell you that, uh, you know, 
that's a good lead into the fact that um, I'm going to be tweeting from uh, Nam, and we're going to try to do some video stuff, and we'll see. We'll see how fast uh, we'll be able to do the turnaround. I'll definitely be tweeting um, as I'm looking at some of this stuff, and um, you know. So if you follow us on uh, on Twitter, you'll be able to get the inside connection, and we'll see what we can, uh, you know, what we can put out there. What kind of information? I mean, it's. You know, we'll have our own opinions. I'm not going to review every new product out there. There's plenty of sites where you can kind of see that stuff. But I'll definitely, you know, give you my opinion or whoever else is around. Um, you know, if I run into you, Bobby, and you say, hey, go check this out, then, you know, I'll, I'll go do that and tweet that. Um, but, um, yeah, so follow us at, at AudioNowCast. That's our, our Twitter handle. Um, before we go, because we got to wrap this up, although I love talking about Nam, um, really quick – Anything you're looking forward to seeing that you haven't talked about? Anything that I am looking forward to seeing. A ton of different things. I mean, I'm always curious about, you know, what new software instruments there are that are out there. Um, Every year I go, well, for the last few years anyway, and I go and play the Prophet 08 at the Dave Smith booth. And I go, this year I'm going to buy one. This year I'm going to buy one. (laughs) And then I never do. But I would love to. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see whether Native Instruments um, might do any kind of show special on Complete. Oh, yeah. Complete 9, that would be something that I'd like for my studio. That's cool. Um, mostly, the thing that I get the most excited about about NAM is seeing the things that I didn't even know existed. Some terrific, awesome new thing that, you know, that some new great piece of technology that that's, you just can't live without. You know? That's cool. Rob, what about you? you uh, what are you looking forward to really quick? You know, I have been so in the trenches of production uh, that I have not put together my pre-NAM wish list. I'm basically going to go there, see what people are buzzing about. Uh, I sort of have figured out that during the year, anything that was cool at NAM will find its way through our doors at some point and we'll check it out. But I like feeding off the energy of the friends and, and people I know there whose opinions I trust and uh, just going to wing it. Cool. Scott, really quick. Uh, you know, hey, last time I bought like a thousand picks for like eleven dollars. Yep. Oh, you know, one that's of those good, good bags of picks, and yeah. I realized that's a lot of picks. <laughs> um, but no, I don't know. I, I'm looking for the, like I said, the Mac solutions. I'm looking for Pro Audio stuff, and I'm probably looking for anything that's a guitar. Cool, Bobby. I'm microphone shopping, so I'm looking to see if something catches my fancy that that could stop me from buying some vintage items. Huh. Well, that's cool. I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to uh, audio interfaces for iPads. Anything with a lightning connector, I want to see what they do. Specifically, multiple ins and multiple outs. I want to look for something 816IO, you know, because you've got the software now and we've got the tablets that can do it. So let's just see if hardware manufacturers, you know, step it up. I'm also looking to see uh, Eurorack stuff. I want to see where that's going. There's there's always crazy stuff that those guys are doing. And Are so, you going to build yourself a modular synthesizer eh, one of these days? I, I don't know if I'm going to quite go that far, but I, I just think I just think it's such an interesting little niche market and there's so many cool things that are happening but like any other small little market there's really cool stuff and there's stuff that's unbelievably just bad like if you listen to like some of the circuit bent stuff and music and that they're all kind of like really uh you know oh this is really cool and and then you hear it it's just a bunch of and little filter sweeps. And I mean, it's, it reminded me of being in college in my, you know, electronic music class where we got onto the EMU modular and we were A first class. learning how to do it. Um, but, uh, but then on the other hand, there's some other really cool stuff where I've heard some really great orchestrated, 
you know, pieces that kind of remind me on the whole, you know, uh, Wendy Carlos, you know, switched sure. on block, all that kind of stuff, you know, and that, that stuff is, that stuff is really cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, looking forward to meeting, you know, friends that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, and just, just generally just seeing what's there in gear. Uh, it's always great to go over to the drums and to see the crazy drum sets that people put together, you know, and last year they had Tommy Lee's, um, drum from uh from motley Crue, the one that went around in the circle mm. and that was really cool to see that up That's close funny. to see how they how they rigged that whole thing so it's- oh um can i jump in one thing sure. uh for any listeners who do hear this before going to nam if you're going by all means go down to holly they always have a hearing check station there oh, and yeah. it's free yeah. you can have your hearing checked and then you can go to etymotic research and uh have custom earplugs made for yourself while they're at NAM. It's a great, great thing Best to do. I highly Anderbein. recommend everything about Etymotic Research is dynamite, yeah. especially their earplugs, which I, I wouldn't go anywhere without them. Etymotic Research? Etymotic Research. Yeah. Best 10 bucks you'll ever spend for their earplugs, their ET30s, I think, ET-Y30s. Oh, wow. Fabulous. They're, yeah. c- they're custom for 10 bucks? Mm. They're not custom, oh, no. The yeah. custom ones are like 120 yeah. You sit yeah. down and they pour goop into your ears yeah, and then they dry them. Yeah. I can't recall the company manufacturing them. Yeah, so there's a lot. I'm just and mainly just looking forward to seeing you guys there and uh, meeting you there. And hey, if there's any listeners out there, just know um, you can always come by the API booth. I'll probably be checking in and out, and it's always great. And if you see any one of us, just uh, say hello, and uh, it'd be great to meet you guys. And um, I appreciate the the listeners that do say hello when we're at the show. That's always cool. But uh, like I said, come on by um, the API booth and uh, and say hello. Rob, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just want to say the main thing I am looking forward to seeing is you guys. I haven't seen you uh, That's right. for any duration for quite a while. I was there, I think it was the last show, but uh, it's been too long since we got to spend a lot of time together. So I'm looking forward to catching up. Mike, I'm looking to another one of our conversations that basically was what started this show. <laughs> That's so right. Go. And I'll also say I'm glad to see Ken doing so well. Thank Don't you. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> I won't. I'm going to check in. Buy bi- monthly. That's how it goes, right? Awesome. At least. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, before we go, um, you know, I've already went around the table and did everything. Um, anybody working on anything they want to talk about? If not, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Anybody doing anything fun and exciting? Yeah. Um, besides finishing up third editions to uh, Music 3.0 book and um, Mastering Engineers Handbook, uh, this year I'm starting a number of coaching programs. So if anybody's interested in any of, of my coaching programs, go to bobbyosinski.com. And also uh, feel free to join my mailing list because you'll get lots of cool stuff and as well as um, hear about what's what's new. No, I will recommend do that. Follow Bobby on Twitter and also his mailing list because – he really keeps up with a lot of the stuff that I don't have time to keep up with, and I get a lot of great information from your from your website and from all your and blogs, and, blogs and stuff. Yeah. I love reading your blogs, Bobby. I am such a fan, man. Oh. You always got great stuff to share. Thank you yeah. kindly. Thank you kindly. You cost me a lot of money over Christmas, by the way, because <laughs> he goes, "Oh, this is really stuff you shouldn't have." I went, "Oh, I don't have that." Oh, it's well, I don't have. I should probably buy that. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the Triad Orbit. I did. Um, one quick piece of business that I got to take care of is uh, we recently um, gave away 
Bobby Osinski's proof of his uh, latest book, which is Social Media Promotion for Musicians. And uh, we have not heard from the person that we gave the book to. So I sent a couple messages to him. And uh, Steve Greenberg, if you're out there, um, please send us a uh, confirmation or an email or something that uh, you – Yes, you do want the book. We need your snail mail address so we can send it to you. <laughs> That's right. Now, if we don't hear from them, I just think it's only fair that we give it to somebody else. Give it else. to someone else. That's right. Next in line. So uh, just want to just want to give – this will be the third podcast that we've broadcast this. So please, Steve, it's an awesome, awesome gift and uh, I hope everything is okay <laughs> first of all. But please just do get in touch with us because if we don't hear from you by the next podcast – we're giving it the number two. All right. Well, uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Um, I do want to say that if you do send us a, a message, I do read them. And if it's a message to forward something to one of the guys, um, I will always forward it. I may not be able to have time to write back to you and respond to everybody, but just do know that we do read them and uh, we appreciate all your comments and everything. Um, Having said that, follow us on Twitter at Audio Nowcast during the NAMM show and we'll see uh, you know, we'll see what we can do. We'll do some fun stuff. So for myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening. And you know what? I think we're gonna put the pre-NAM show up before now. Yay! <laughs> all right, you guys take it easy and we'll see you next time. So long. See you. Cool. Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>